This is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. Like most of you, I drive a car or a truck. Well, occasionally, I need tires or just a simple plug or patch. Well, my friends down at Just Tires is the place to go when that need arises. Give them a call at 727-585-9271. They have a convenient location right at 1645 Clearwater Largo Road. You can't miss them. So for all your tire needs, cars, trucks, trailers, new used or just a repair, give Just Tires a call. 727-585-9271. Oh, yeah, and be sure and check out their website, JustTires.net. Do you ever feel the need for speed? Well, experience the thrill of indoor karting at Tampa Bay Grand Prix, located at 12350 Automobile Boulevard in Clearwater. Call 727-527-8464. They have state-of-the-art electric carts racing around a quarter-mile road circuit. Bring your family, friends, and teammates for some speed, fun, and competition at Tampa Bay Grand Prix Indoor Karting Facility. Call 727-527-8464. Visit their website at tampabaygp.com. Juniors and four Coca Cola. And would I have to wait long if you made one Whopper with no pickle and no lettuce? No, sir. Hold the pickle, hold the lettuce. Special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Oh, well, in that case, could I have the other Whopper with extra ketchup? Sure. We can serve your road beef Whopper fresh with everything on top of any way you think is Now that's the way to do things, our way. Have it your way, have it your way, at Burger King, we at Burger King. Grab a bucket and mop, scrub the bottom and pop. There is nothing so clean as my burger machine. With a broom and a brush. Clean it up for the rush. Before you open the door. What a shine on the floor. When we finish one dance. Not all over again. Tell me what does it mean. At McDonald's it's clean.
Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Okay, listeners, welcome, and you are tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. I'm your host, Robert. Hey, run to your computer and Google Tantalk1340.com, and you can see me and my smiling, happy face, and my Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, red, sparkling red, racingjunk.com t-shirt. Okay, make sure you uh, check out our website, golfstreammotorsports.com. Check out our pat, our that, 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 that. Our podcast for past shows. Don't forget to go to Facebook and give us a big like. Okay. And run to the uh, our website and go to Stuff and order a Christmas t-shirt. Okay. At any rate. Hey, Billy, how you doing tonight? What? Wrong answer? Oh, no. All right. Another quiz. <laughs> anyway. Hey, I'm kind of excited about our tonight's guest, aren't you? Quit playing with your dinghy. <laughs> My dinghy. Where's the poo-poo one? Did you forget that one? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know what that one is. <laughs> you don't know what that one is. Okay. Anyway, hey, big shout out to my friends over there at uh, Cop Cars Online, Mark and John. John and uh, Mark at uh, Cop Cars Online, give them a call, 727 <laughs> Oh, man, he backed into something again. That's his detail guy, by the way. He just still hasn't got it down yet to a science. Anyway, and a big shout-out to my friends over at Forte's Inboard and Auto Connections, 727-544-6440 if you uh, need your hello? trick. Hello? Uh, hey, that sounds like Beavis and Butthead. You got the rest of that? No? Yeah, it's on my thing. Go find my little... Go dig in my uh, little bag of tricks there, my little Huge. file. Huge. <laughs> Huge. Anyway, but that's a huge boo-boo. All right. But anyway, and hey, you know what? Today, I got to tell you, every Wednesday, you know what I do? I go visit my friends over at the Rib Shack Barbecue for a smoking barbecue beef sandwich. And they got some great potato salad, too. And the probably the most delicious barbecue sauce. So if next time you're in downtown Largo, be sure and check out the Rib Shack Barbecue. Hey, what do we got on the turntable? Got anything cool spinning around and around and around and around? Hey, baby, you can drive my car, the Beatles. We'll be right back. She said, baby, can't you see? I want to be famous, a star on the screen. But you can do something in between. Baby, you can drive my car. Yes, I'm going to be a star. Baby, you can drive my car. And baby, I love you. I told her, girl. 
listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship par 72 plus another 9-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. This is comedian, author, and most importantly, vintage race car driver Adam Carolla telling you I love nostalgic radio and cars. We're back, and you're tuned into nostalgic radio and cars. Matter of fact, I hope some of you guys enjoy some of those little clips that I come up with, like the McDonald's commercial, the old 70s McDonald's commercial, grab a bucket and mop, and then the Burger King, have it your way. That's kind of cool stuff. I dig that kind of stuff. Of course, the Oscar Mayer Wiener thing, I was joking with Artie Fletcher, which the Artie Fletcher show follows our show here at 8 o'clock, because uh, Artie and I are about the same age. We're in the mid-50s, so the Oscar Mayer Wiener commercial was kind of one we always used to laugh and joke about because, you know, when you're a kid, you know, I mean, as far as a, a bad word, you know, we called each other, you're a wiener. I'll tell Santa Claus on you. <laughs> you mean I'm not going to get any presents? Oh, my God. I'll tell Santa Claus on you. <laughs> But anyway, well, let's see. What do we got for upcoming events? Not much going on other than next week. We've got a real special guest coming on, so be sure and tune in next week. We'll have some more nostalgia for you. And then, of course, we're, what, jeez, uh, a couple weeks away from Christmas. So Merry Christmas to everybody, and obviously Happy New, happy new Year. Uh, we have some of the upcoming guests coming on. We have Ed Pink coming on after the first of the year. I've got Alan Taylor from Motor Trend Radio. He's coming on. We've got Linda Vaughn coming on. We've got uh, Tanner Faust from... Uh, Top Gear TV. We probably even have a sidekick coming on. We got a whole list of cool people coming on. Any rate, I'm really excited about that. But we got a really, really cool guy coming on tonight. So hopefully you guys all stick around for that because that was something we've been working on for a while. So it's finally come to fruition. Kind of like a cake. You know, when you're baking a cake, Billy. Billy, are you there? No, he doesn't have his headphones on because he takes them off. So he can. Uh, so he doesn't have to hear me. <laughs> Billy, what do you got for sound effects? Anything cool for us? Jesus, crime any. <laughs> hey, the phone's ringing again. You know what? That's the other thing I don't have. I don't have any. Uh, don't have any give you giveaways. But I will be because hey, stay tuned, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, folks. We have a couple of events coming up after the first of the year. One of the big ones, obviously, is uh, Barrett Jackson Scottsdale. That's in January at the end of the month. We have Meekum Auction in Kissimmee. But more importantly, we have the Amelia Island Concours. And as you guys probably remember, I do a little work for my friends over at uh, Hollywood Wheels and Festivals of Speed, and they have announced, they just announced it at the uh, Orlando show here a couple weeks ago, that they will doing their uh, inaugural 
if I said that word right, inaugural, I always have trouble pronouncing that word, debut at Amelia Island. So on March 9th at the Plantation, Omni, Omni Plantation, I'll get it straight one of these days, hotel right next to the Ritz on Amelia Island, they're going to have a spectacular show overlooking the water. Yes! Yes! <laughs> yeah, baby! We got that one too somewhere? Yeah, I'm sure we do. But anyway, so be sure to check that out. And we will be giving radio giveaway tickets for that. And then, of course, the end of the month, actually the end of the month, towards the third week in the month, on March 22nd and 23rd and 24th, at the Palm Beach County Convention Center, Hollywood Wheels will be doing the Palm Beach Auto Auction. So I will have tickets for that as well for all you car guys. So, <laughs> that sounds like Charlie Brown. Is that Charlie Brown? Yeah, I remember that one. Remember the old joke about Charlie Brown? When uh, Lucy walks up to Charlie Brown, he's getting ready to punt a football. And uh, she says, here, Charlie, let me hold the football. And what you're going to do is you're going to run up and kick the football. But just before you go to kick, I'm going to take the ball away. And you're going to kick and you're going to follow through and you're going to fall down. So anyway, she says, okay, go ahead. So what Charlie Brown does is he runs up to the ball. He gets ready to kick it. Naturally, what she does, she takes the ball away. He swings, lands on his can. She walks up to him, says, see, I told you, men never listen to what women say. And on that note, a big shout out to Kelly and Florence Flo at Hollywood Wheels, my good friends over there. Okay, so if you need your car hauled long distance from Pinellas County to Minnesota, Wisconsin, maybe even Detroit, give them a call over there at uh, 1-800-237-8954. That's 1-800-237-8954. That's 1-800-237-8954. So that's a big shout out to Kelly and Flo and little Hayden and Mike. And uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow because I'll be back. And my old stopping grounds hanging out on the phones. <laughs> any rate, how are we doing on your time, Mr. Billy? I can't hear a thing you're saying, Billy. All I can do is I can see your face through the glass. <laughs> hey, did you find that one clip? That one that the Artie was talking about and Cedric? No, I didn't find that one. I got your song ready. Though. Get my song ready. Is it just about that time? How are we doing on time? It's uh, 20 after. Oh, we still got a few minutes yet. Sure. Ah, go ahead and play the song. Play the whole thing. Play the whole thing? Yeah. All right, well, I'll be right back. So you stay tuned. You're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. And we got a great guest coming up here in a few, in a short, short. So it's, it's a big surprise. Actually, if you were tuned into Nostalgic, actually, uh, WTAN all afternoon, we have, been, we have been announcing our special guest for the afternoon. You know, the ultimate car guy. I'm not a man hold a grudge. But I think it's time to send me a few choice words. All about that theme and automobile The metal monster with the polyglass wheels And results of the dream of Henry Ford Well, now I've got a car that's mine alone To be in the finance company owned Already made by the manufacturing grief Hey, this is Ted Nugent celebrating the American dream On nostalgic radio and cars I spent three days lost on a clover leaf Well, it ain't just the smoke and the traffic jam That makes me the bitter fool I am But this poor wheel bug is a dollar in me to death For gas and oils and fluids and grease And wires and tires and antifreeze and them accessories Well, honey, that's something else Well, you can get stereo tape and a color TV Get a backseat bar and reclining seats And just pay once a month like you do your rent well, I figured it up in over a period of time. This $4,000 car of mine cost $14,000.99. Well, now, Lord, Mr. Ford, I just wish that you could see what your simple horseless carriage has become. Well, it seems your contribution to man, to say the least, got a little out of hand. Well, Lord, Mr. Ford, what have you done?
American father and mother own one whole car and a half another. And I bet that half a car is a trick to drive, don't you? But the thing that amazes me, I guess, is the way we measure a man's success by the kind of an automobile he can afford to buy. Well, now, red light, green light, traffic cop, right turn, no turn, must turn, stop. Get out the credit card, honey, we're out of gas. Well, now, all the cars place in the end will reach to the moon and back again. There'd probably be some poor fool pull out the pants. Well, now, how I yearn for the good old days without that carbon dioxide haze hanging over the roar of the interstate. Well, if the Lord that made the moon and the stars would have meant for me, and you'd have cars, he'd have seen it was all born with a parking space. Lord, Mr. Ford, I just wish that you could see what your simple horseless carriage has become. Well, it seems your contribution to man to say the least got a little out of hand. Well, Lord, Mr. Ford, what have you done? Come away with me, Lucille. Am I smoking, choking on the Listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsport, 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. Excuse me, sir. Yes. It's the bat phone. To the bat balls. To the Batmobile. We're back. Same bat channel, same bat station. Billy, how are we doing there? How you doing? Okay, but anyway, did you, were you too young to watch Batman back in 1966? Because you weren't even around in 1966, were you? Watching all reruns. Watching all reruns. Well, that's a good show. That was fun. I like enjoyed that show. You know what? Things were just so cool back in the 60s here in the good old United States. Of course, I grew up in Northern California. It was kind of cool because we lived in Marin County. Marin, Marin County was kind of hilly, which was kind of cool. And so we rode our bicycles all over the place, you know, and we were up the hills, down the hills and all that stuff. And anybody from up north or in any area that's got uh, topos, you know, meaning hills and and uh, different grades that you had to kind of pedal your little butt up and pedal your little butt down, you probably can remember that. In fact, what we used to do up on a hill, we used to have these fields, and they had these big, I guess you would call them, you know, they look kind of like, uh, you know, tall grass, but we used to get cardboard boxes from the local Safeway store, or Thrifty, that's what we had. Safeway was like Publix, and Thrifty was like, uh, I guess, Walmart back in the day, you know, or something like that. And uh, at any rate, we used to get our little cardboard boxes, and we used to just slide down the hill, and boy, you know, it's amazing how life was just so simple and we were so easily amused as kids you know we go to the park and ride, you know hang on the swings or get your baseball glove out and you pitch ball back and forth or something like that you know today got gadgets electronics xbox and i don't know i can't keep in, keep up with all that kind of stuff because i'm still an old school kind of guy but at any rate so that was a lot of fun matter of fact i uh missed my old schwinn fastback 
Stingray that I used to have back Schwin. in the day. Schwing. You know, I need to find an old Schwinn commercial. In fact, I think I found one of those. I can, on, uh, and I got to download that and get that up on there so we can play that too. But at any rate, so the guys out back are looking for another commercial. We're, finding, we're trying to look for a few more sound effects for tonight's show because we're, we're just in the sound effects kind of mood because it's the sound effects time a year. Hey, what do we got for Christmas sound effects? You got anything cool there, Billy? Uh, not, right di- not right this second. Not right this second. Okay, well, then I'll just keep blabbing and blabbing and blabbing. But anyway, let's see. What else we got going on? Okay, besides all the auctions and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, I have one more thing, too. Don't forget that if you guys need an appraisal or a pre-purchase inspection or evaluation on your car or a diminished value report, Feel free to give me a call here. Give me a call here. Give me a call at uh, 727-541-1741. That's 727-541-1741 because I do appraisals. Right now, matter of fact, I'm working on a really, really, really cool car. It's a 1957 Cadillac Eldorado Barretts. I'm going to be doing an appraisal on that car. And it's an amazing piece because it happens to be the very first Cadillac Eldorado Barretts built that rolled off the assembly line. It is zero 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 one. Anyway, it's the very first one. Matter of fact, it was a car that was featured at the Waldorf Historia in New York. Putting on the Ritz. Yeah, got to find that again. And it was, it's a stunning looking Cadillac. It's Elysian green with Elysian green interior and Elysian green top. Beautiful, beautiful car. I'm probably going to have some pictures of it up on my website too. So be sure and check that out at golfstreammotorsports.com. Hey, another big shout out to my friend Dougie at the sign shop. Because every time I look at this stunning banner that I have behind me, you know, makes me think of Doug. And Doug's got a really cool car, too. He's got a 68, uh, what's he got? 68 Chevelle convertible four speed car and kind of a 70, 71 Chevy truck. But anyway, Dougie's number is 727 392 4852. That's 727 398 4852. So if you need signs, banners, decals, stickies, anything of that nature, give Dougie at the sign shop a call. So anyway, let's see what else we got going on. Well, I'm excited about next year, okay, because we got some really cool car stuff coming up. We got some really cool events coming up. Matter of fact, don't forget in February, I think over in Tampa at Zephyr Hills, they have the winter festivals, you know, car show swap meet auction. And uh, of course, a couple weeks ago, we had the Millers on and the Millers are the group from Carlisle, Pennsylvania that have taken over that event. And they're trying to build that into a huge event as in the case of Carlisle shows and swap meets up there in uh, in uh, Pennsylvania. Are we ready to go? Play that little clip. And you know what? We're just about out of my jaw jacking times. And I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. He's a former Rolls Royce salesman. All you Beverly Hills people here who smoke denim will like that. And he's a good friend. Would you welcome now Jay Leno? I'm originally from uh, the United States. Any United States people here tonight? Ah, that's great. As I, uh, as Freddie mentioned, I have a slight cold. I have to apologize for that. When I came, I have, I've had this about two weeks. I went to the hospital over here, one of the large hospitals in California. I don't want to say the name. It just shows you where healthcare is in this state. This is absolutely true. I went in, man charged me $40, gave me some pills to take. And on the way out, I said, Doc, my throat is still really sore. Do you think I should have my tonsils out? And this man is a specialist, and I'm sure one of the best hospitals in California says to me, Well, what do you think? <laughs> I was watching the local news before I came in tonight. I got a kick out of local newsmen. You ever notice how all newsmen use the same metaphors? Another senseless killing early today in mid-Manhattan. 
Senseless as opposed to what? Sensible killing? Man was beaten and robbed of 12 cents on the west side, a senseless killing, whereas on the east side, a thousand dollar killing, very sensible. <laughs> Newsmen. Newsmen always say things like, uh, Americans were shocked today when they learned. Let's face it, nothing shocks this country anymore. They should just tell the truth. The world came to an end today. Most Americans couldn't give a shit about the whole thing. I mean, and some gasoline. <laughs> Hamburger, french fries, beverage of my choice. <laughs> Big thing now is to tease you with the news. This is very annoying. It's like four o'clock on a Saturday. You're watching a show. All of a sudden, a newsman interrupts. Everyone in the world is dead. Film report at 11. <laughs> talk about depression and recession now. When you see it happening on television, you know it's true. You ever see that commercial where the husband is so insecure, can't even tell his wife she makes a terrible cup of coffee? More coffee, honey? I know thanks, dear. I think I'll just get an apartment downtown. <laughs> you know what I like? Every year, every year when the new cars come out, you ever notice how the manufacturers always come back with their unbiased claims? We asked 50 drivers of the other luxury car, the $45,000 Rolls-Royce convertible, and asked them to drive this $300 Pinto. <laughs> 49 of the 50 drivers chose the Pinto. Why? Let's compare. Rolls-Royce has four rubber tires. So does the Pinto. Deal Rolls Royce has a front, back, top, two sides. So does the pinup. Getting down the wire now. Rolls Royce has an engine, drivetrain, transmission, rear end, leather seats, leather interior, power steering, stereo radio, air conditioning. All right, we give them that one. a tacky club, isn't it? Look at this. People have popcorn with toothpicks in it. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. And let me tell you something. This gentleman is probably one of the most recognized individuals in the show business world, but more importantly, he's probably the most recognized person in the collector car world. It gives me great pleasure, and I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Jay Leno. Jay, are you there? I'm here. How you doing? Pretty good. Uh, so how are things in California? Can't complain. Can't complain. It's about 80 with the wind chill. Oh, that's amazing. And it's probably dry, too, right? That's right. How about that? Well, hey, tell us a little bit about, I mean, you're obviously well-known because you're a car guy, and uh, but just to give us give the listeners a little bit of background, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the car business. What created that insatiable appetite for well, cars? I was always interested in anything <laughs> that kind of rolls and exploded and made noise, that kind of stuff. I worked at a Ford dealership when I was a kid, and then when I was in college, I worked at a foreign car dealership. That shows you how long ago it was. They called them foreign cars. It was foreign motors of Boston, and we sold Mercedes-Benz, Rolls-Royce, Bentley, Citroën, uh, and just the the odd foreign car that would come in, you know. And uh, and I did that because I thought I'd never be able to afford any of these cars, so that was the best way to get close to them and drive them. And I would deliver them all over the country. Back in the day, 
when a car came in like a Rolls Royce, they didn't put on a flatbed like they did now. I would pick it up at Port Elizabeth in New Jersey, and I would deliver it to Texas or Florida, or I'd drive it to Boston. And when, when I got there and the customer asked why the car had, you know, 1,200 miles on it, oh, those are test miles. Those are done at the factory to make sure. Oh, okay. Just out of curiosity, now, are you from Massachusetts originally? I was born in New York, okay. New Rochelle, New York, but I, when I was nine, we were nine, we moved to Massachusetts. So I guess my formative years were certainly in Massachusetts. Uh-huh. Was uh, your mom or your dad or uh, aunts, uncles, and cousins, anybody like that, into cars too, or was it just No, you? no, not, never, you know, not at all, not at all. I mean, it was not even close. You know, my dad would always say, well, what do you want to buy an old, you, uh, you, why would you buy an old car for that money? You got a brand new car for that. Why would anyone want to buy a car with a stick shift when you can get an automatic, you know? No, so I would have to say definitely not. So what was your first car? My first car was a 34 Ford pickup truck. I bought it when I was 14 for $350, and uh, my dad and I dragged it home, and I spent two years getting it running, practicing, going up, and we had a, you know, where I lived was pretty rural back in the day, and we had a 300-foot driveway, and I spent you know, two years going up and down the driveway. I still have a crick in my neck from looking over my shoulder <laughs> from just going forward and backing up and going forward and backing up, and that's what I did. Eventually, I put a 292 V8 in it, one of the old Ford V8s, and then I went back to the flathead again, and then I sold that and moved on to a Datsun 1600 and just other cars. Okay. Um, you're, you're, you have an affinity for foreign cars, and... Uh... So, not really. I like. Really? Actually, I like everything. I. I, I mean, I. Um, when you grow up with American cars, your first interest is, oh, well, let's see what the foreign stuff is like, and then you come back again. But I've got uh, a lot of Mopars and Fords and Chevys, so it's it, it's pretty split down the middle, I think. When you went to work at the Ford dealership, what was one of the first jobs that you had to do there? Well, I was lot boy. Okay. I was, uh, you know, I'd do new car prep. You'd wash cars. You'd put on license plates. You'd run errands. I mean, it was one of those dealerships. It was one of those acres of car dealership things where it was alongside a highway or a big main road. And there were maybe 200 cars in the parking lot, used cars and new cars. And every morning, I would have to go out and put all the hubcaps on, at least in the first three rows of cars. And every night, I have to go back and take them off. And one night, I was coming back, and I had a big stack of hubcaps, like three or four feet tall, piled on top of the other. And I bumped into the used car manager. He came around the corner, and all the hubcaps fell. He says, you can't do that. You're fired. And I said, you can't fire me. This is my friend. You're fired. So I, I went home. I didn't tell my parents I was fired, but I wrote a letter to Henry Ford II and a whole bunch of stockholders. And my dad has a Galaxy. My mom has a Falcon. I'm saving up for a Mustang. I wanted to work at Ford, and I got fired unfairly, blah, blah, blah. And 10 days later, the owner of the dealership, Ben Restusha, called me, and he said, I don't know who you know and Detroit, but if you want your job back, you can have it. I said, oh, okay, thanks. So that made me kind of an American car guy. Well, that is an amazing story. You yeah, actually yeah, did that. Story. Wow, that's cool. So, well, let me guess. So that was means you had to been working at the Ford dealership sometime in the mid-60s when Mustangs were on the market, right? 66, 67. I was one of those kids on April 17th, 1964, my nose pressed against the glass to see the unveiling of the Mustang. You know, it's it's a whole different world now, but the guys in my age group, you know, in those days, the dealerships would cover the front window with a cloth or a curtain, and, you know, so you couldn't see the new models, and, you know, kids would line up and peek through, and there was no internet, there was no preview. I mean, you'd, you'd see black and white pictures in some magazines, 
even color magazines were fairly rare in the mid-60s. Most car magazines still had black and white. So the only place you would see the new car is when the dealer unveiled it. And when you grew up in a small town, like I did, unless you went to Boston, you just didn't see anything cool. So on April 17th, then we lined up to get our free donut or free hot dog, glass of lemonade, and they'd open the dealership, and you'd come in, and they'd show you the car, and all. Oh, oh, see, look at that, a Mustang with a six-cylinder and a three-speed. Oh, my God, this is the fastest car in the world. <laughs> well, now, were there Cobras at the dealership and Shelby's? No, got Cobras. What, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, anything with less than four doors was a sports car, as far okay. as I was concerned. <laughs> you know, when you grow up in a small town, everybody has... I remember a, a friend of mine, Mark Goulet, his dad bought a 60, he bought a secondhand, a 63 Impala SS, two-door, pillarless coupe with a 327 two-barrel and a two-speed automatic. Well, that might as well have been a Ferrari. I'm sorry. That was like the, just the greatest car we'd ever seen. Oh, my God, what a cool <laughs> thing that is, you know. A two-door hardtop, yeah. Well, actually, that car had good roof lines in it, though. Sixty-three. It, it was a good. It was a good-looking car, and it had bucket seats, and you know, and that you know, it was like that was just, you know, when you grow up in a working-class area, nobody you didn't see Porsches and and Corvettes and stuff. I mean, it was the kind of town where everybody'd go up to the Dairy Queen, you know, and I'd go home at ten thirty, and eleven o'clock, I'd get a call. You just missed it. A Corvette came by. Oh. I mean, you know, that's what it was. Wow. Now, tell us about the uh, foreign car dealership that you worked at. So it was British cars primarily, and plus the Frenchie, the little Citroen? Yeah, it, it was, uh, no, it was primarily Mercedes-Benz, Rolls-Royce, okay. Bentley, uh, Citroen. Um, and occasionally we'd take on somebody for a while, and that, that wouldn't work out. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was foreign motor. It's still in business. It's now Foreign Motors West out in, uh, it's BMW also. Yeah, BMW too had at the time. It's it's still out on Route Nine in Framingham. Do you get back there very often? Once in a while, I still talk to some of my old buddies from the dealership that still work there. Guys, that was like forty years ago. Now, were you actually a wrench, or did you just do the same thing? Were you in sales, or what? Actually, was your job just? No, I was mostly I was mostly new car prep because I was okay. a, first a high school student and then a college student, okay. and since I was fairly gregarious, I would be, hey, Jay, could you drive Mr. So-and-so home or pick up his rolls at the house? And I was kind of polite and knew how to talk to people, and so I was pretty good at that stuff. I gotcha. Now, when, now after a number of years and you started getting into the stand-up uh, comic uh, routine thing, when did you start collecting cars? I mean, about what time would that be? What period? Well, it's funny. I never thought of myself as collecting them because I always drove them and I used them as transportation, but... Once you get more than three or four, you realize, uh-oh, you're collecting. Okay. Um, so uh, the first thing I got, I was into motorcycles, too. Uh, the first new vehicle I bought was a Honda CBX, one of those big six cylinders, and I crashed that and got another one. And then, uh, oh, I got into Vincent Motorcycle. You know, when I was a young man, the logic being if you rented a place, you could put four or five bikes in the space of one car. So... I was into motorcycles a little bit more when I was younger. Then when I got a little bit more financially secure and could afford bigger garage space, um, then I started getting into the cars. Oh, okay. What was one of the first uh, collectible cars that you, that you would consider a collectible car that you actually acquired? Well, let's see. Um, I, well, the first one that would be a true collectible was back in about 87. 
I, I got, uh, I become friends with Phil Hill, the famous race car driver, and he owned a place called Hill and Vaughn, which is a restoration shop. You know, Phil, besides being our first World Grand Prix champion, was also an amazing mechanic, and he was a Packard mechanic, I mean, a trained guy. And he was a race car driver who knew the car inside and out. The reason he was so good was he understood how machinery worked, so he never really broke any cars. So he was able to win races where other guys were breaking cars. Uh, but he was a great Packard mechanic, so I bought a 32 Packard Twin 6, which I still have, a coupe, which is uh, that Phil restored. And to this day, I've done nothing but just, you know, change the oil and the points in it. Uh, I've been driving it for, God, 25 years. Wow. Now, I, I, see, I'm like you, too. I mean, I, I, I mentioned to you yesterday, I kind of grew up in the salvage yard business, or I actually kind of, my real my background is real estate, but I got into the salvage yard business because of my love of cars. So, consequently, I always drove old cars because, you know, me being a wrench, if worse comes to worse, I broke down. I could always scavenge some parts. So, right, I, right. I, I eat, sleep, and drink old cars. So, are you basically the same way? You kind of pretty much just drive old cars just because you yeah, love it? Yeah, I just it? drive old cars because I like it better. Uh, my daily driver that I use mostly is a Model T. I've got a 25 Model T. I put a Ruckstoll two-speed rear end in it, and I put the Rocky Mountain brakes on it, and it's hysterical because, A, nobody could steal it because they have no idea how to run it. <laughs> and if you crunch a fender, it's 175 bucks for a new fender painted. Um, there's still a million T's on the road. And for running around L.A., you know, the top speed of the Model T is about 53 miles an hour. Uh-huh. But I get on the freeway in the morning, and it's bumper to bumper. So I'm only going 30, 35 anyway, and I only have to go a few miles on the freeway. So I use them to run all over town, and, uh, you know, it's fun. It's a, it's a fun car to drive. It's a brilliant automobile, the Model T. I mean, it's quick. It's kind of peppy, as my dad would say. And uh, it's got more than enough power, and... It's not so valuable. If you damage it, everything is available. They're easy enough to fix. I mean, you know, I threw a rod one day, and we got it back to the garage, dropped the pan, put another rod in, boom, we're ready to go again. I mean, it's it's hilarious. The um, cars that you own, um, and we talked about this briefly yesterday, you're kind of like, uh, you had mentioned that, you know, you remember when a lot of these cars were, you know, pretty much affordable back in the 70s and 80s, 60s, 70s right. and 80s. I mean, what are your thoughts on how wacky the market is nowadays and what some of these people pay for these restored cars? And, and are you the kind of guy that likes an original unrestored car as opposed to a car that's been restored? Well, I, I have to start off with saying I like everything. Okay. But I like original and unrestored. And when I do a resto mod, by that I mean... Uh, like when I, my Toronado, now we've converted that to over a thousand horsepower and converted it to rear wheel drive. I didn't start with a nice Toronado. I bought an $800 wreck out of a junkyard that was due to be crushed. I mean, it was kind of too far gone to restore. And we resto modded that. Um, I prefer original, not restored. That's my favorite sort of mm-hmm. class of automobile. Because the guys that built these cars originally were engineers, and they did a good job. And these cars, you know, the idea that, oh, no, 6-volt doesn't work, you have to convert to 12, you don't. The big mistake is most guys wind up using 12-volt wire on a 6-volt system, and then they wonder why the thing's not getting enough current or the lights are dim or whatever. 6-volt worked for 40 years in this country, and it was fine. And the cars I have, like the Duesenbergs and all those older cars, uh, they all work fine on six volts. The one thing I will do occasionally is convert a generator into a six volt alternator by changing the internals. 
Okay. And you make it an alternator this way. My 37 cord is that way. The original generator, I'd come to a stoplight at night, and the lights would go dim like a candle blown out. And they have to rev the engine again. So I, I just we converted the generator into an alternator by changing it internally. It looks externally, it looks the same, and it's still six volts. It's just putting out a lot more. The um, of the cars that you have, let's say for example, like some of those. Oh yeah, that, let me digress for a second. I was recently reading an article. This goes back a few months. You bought a Falcon off uh, a website called BringAtrailer.com. Right, right, you, right. <laughs> tell us about that Falcon. Oh, it's a great out? Falcon. As I said, when I worked at the Wilmington Ford dealership, I always liked the 63 and a half Falcon Sprint. I always liked the early Thunderbird-looking Falcon more than the later Wedge style. It's just mm-hmm. a matter of taste. And that was the car that was the precursor to the Mustang. For all intents and purposes, the Ford Falcon Sprint was a Mustang. Yeah. And when the Mustang came along, it was really just the Falcon with a different body on it. Uh, so... That's why I, I always lusted for one of those. I remember the, the dealership, uh, Mr. Astucia, his son had one with a 260 and a four-barrel and a four-speed, and I just thought that was just the greatest car in the world. It sounded cool, and it was a stick, and it went fast, or at least it seemed to go fast. So I just always wanted one, and when I saw one on the website that was uh, the same color, same red interior, same four-speed, I, I, got, I, got, I had to grab it. <laughs> uh, let's jump to foreign cars a little bit. You actually have a number of cars, and one of them has always been one of my favorites when I was a little kid and I used to live in Europe. But you have a Lamborghini 350 GT. And, no, I don't. And, <laughs> I don't, know. Oh, I don't, don't have a Lamborghini 350 Oh, I thought you did. No, no. Well, a lot of times on my road test and my my website, rather, the jlonesgarage.com, people bring cars by and we'll oh, road okay. test them and we do a video on them. But no, I, I don't own one of those. I I own a couple of Muras, and I own an Espada and a Countach, but I don't have a 350. Okay. Well, anyway, this is the 50, I think it's the 50th year anniversary for Lamborghini. That's correct, yeah. Um, you got, uh, are there any events that you're going to go to with any of your cars or anything? Um, yeah, once in a while, I'll go to something. I, I, you know, most of those Lamborghini events take place in Europe, or it's... Uh, with the job I have doing the Tonight Show, I just have to be here every day. So unless right. something's within 50 or 60 miles of Los Angeles, it, it makes it hard to go to those kind of events. Okay. And then, of course, you have a Cobra, and I think this is the 50th year, the AC Cobra. Right, And right. it's the 50th year of the 911, and I think it's also the 50th year of the uh, GT40. So there's a number of... There's a lot of 50-year things going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's hard to do them all. <laughs> well, at any rate, um, well, okay. Now, I know Adam Carolla's been on your show, and he's an avid Lamborghini collector as well. I guess he's got a couple GT350s yeah, and some Yeah, he's got a as well, yeah. Yeah. And uh, as a matter of fact, I was watching the one episode of your show um, that you have on the internet where he was uh, walking around. I guess he was test driving his... Ferrari is a 330 GT2 plus 2. Right, right. And I guess he had some issues with the car, like the speedometer. Yeah, the car ran out of gas, and the speedometer cable broke. Hilarious. And the car's been sitting in my garage for six months. Six months. Oh, my gosh. And uh, But I had to I had to uh, kind of chuckle a little bit because you commented on the 330 GTC, and the 330 GTC, which is a short wheelbase two-seater version, right. really has always been one of my favorites, and I think that's an outstanding Very nice looking. car. I mean, that's the Ferrari era that I the classic V12 front engine transmission in the middle. You know, it's funny. Those cars at the time seemed so complicated. Overhead cams, dual oil filters, dual ignition. Oh, my God. They seem so complicated. Yet you open the hood now, and it seems like, my God, this is the easiest thing to work on. It's just funny, you know, how your perception changes. I mean, you can get, you know, 
God forbid, American cars now with twin overhead cams, and it just, you know, it's it's something that was so exotic back in the day. Well, it's interesting, because I know you're kind of a history buff, and I mean, really, when you stop and think about it, overhead cams, twin overhead cams, twin ignition, porcelain motors, all that stuff was developed back, actually, in the late teens and early 20s. It's just the... Yeah, there's really nothing new. It's just a matter of metallurgy, Mm -hmm. and people didn't really need it, you know? I mean, back when when the speed limit was 35 miles an hour... You really didn't need overhead valves. Overhead valves were noisy and complicated, and uh, and the flatheads work fine. In fact, I've got a really funny piece of videotape. It's something that was shown at Hudson dealerships, and it's black. It's black and white, and there's no sound. It just has the art card comes in, and, and two cars drive in: an Oldsmobile V8 and a Hudson uh, Hornet with two carburetors. And they open the hood of the Hudson Hornet, and they show the Hudson guy in the white smock. And he's adjusting the valves of the feeler gauge. It takes him like a half hour. And he's, you know, wiping his hands and he's shutting the hood and shaking hands with Hudson customer. And they pan over and here's the Oldsmobile customer. And the and the guy's going, why is my car ready? And the mechanic's going, these overhead valves are so complicated. I'm not sure how to adjust them. You know, and they're, they're, oh, and they're all upset and they're all upset. And why didn't we get a Hudson? And it's hilarious. And it's interesting because the Hudson had, I think, 165 horsepower. The six, the 308 cubic inch, and uh-huh. the uh, and the the Oldsmobile Rocket 88 had 160. So the flathead actually had more power. But just the idea that you know, why would you want to go with something as foolish as overhead valves when you can get proven technology like this, uh, you know, this flathead six? <laughs> Tell us a little bit about some of the cars that uh, that you kind of play with on a regular basis. That, you know, besides the Model T that you drive from work to. Uh, to, uh, the well, I'm a big fan of steam cars. I like steam cars a lot. It's okay. a, steam steam cars are fun because, A, most people have no idea how they work. And it's really funny when mechanics from Mercedes-Benz or Ford, and they come out and they go, oh, is that a doble steam car? How does that, oh my, how does this work? And, you know, you get the chance to play Big Shot and you explain to them how the steam works. And, that, you know, it's just lost technology. That's really all it is. It's the technology that was that ran America for the first hundred years of the beginning of the Industrial Revolution and then was superseded, of course, by uh, by internal combustion. But it's, it's just funny because everything in the steam car is the exact opposite. In, a, in an internal combustion car, you're trying to get the heat out, get as much heat out of the engine as you can, open up those exhaust ports. In a steam car, anytime heat escapes, you patch it up because you want to keep heat in because heat is what makes your vehicle go. You know, steam expands, I think, for fourteen hundred times, and then when you superheat the steam, makes it goes up to twenty five hundred times. So steam is really, really very powerful. Um, I've got a nineteen twenty five Doble steam car that uh, Abner Doble won one hundred thirty two point five in, and it's a big. It looks like a giant thirty two Ford. It's got no aerodynamics at all, but steam is is very very powerful. Do you, is it, now see, the first car, or one of the first cars ever made, was it steam or was it electric? I mean, there's kind of like a toss-up on those, too. Well, uh, well, Trevor Thick was running a steam coach in England in 1803. Okay. So steam, so steam takes precedent over electricity. Uh, what's the thing? Camille Genetese, I think I say it, he set the electric car record at 62 miles an hour, I think, back in 1890 or 1888. So electricity, they... Most people, including Dr. Porsche, felt that electricity was the best way to power a car. But like today, battery technology, 
uh, that was the problem. And, you know, you couldn't go very far, and then you had to wait eight or nine hours, certainly way more back in the day. So the gas engine car obviously took precedence. The, uh, as far as electric cars, do you own any of those, or have you done Yeah, I've got a 1909 Baker electric. Oh, really? It goes, it goes 80 miles on a charge. I've got a Chevy Volt that I've got a little over 23,000 miles on. I've only used, I think, 17 gallons of gas. So uh-huh. it's, it's pretty amazing. Okay. Some of the, what are some of the other unique cars that you have that, uh, that, 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 you, that really doesn't get a lot of publicity, but that you'd like well, to share with us? Well, I've got a Tatra T87. I'm a big fan of Hans Ludwinka, who developed the Tatra car. It's a rear-engine car. It's a magnesium air-cooled V8. It's really unusual, overhead cam. The Czechoslovakian, I mean, right? Yeah, Czechoslovakian, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting. Czechoslovakia was on the other side of the Tatra Mountain. And each of these European countries, it's not like today where everybody's on the Internet. You built something. You didn't know what the other guy was building. So consequently, you had people like Hans Ludwig are developing cars that bear no resemblance to anything anybody else is doing. You go, oh, my God, how do you do that? You know, you know I've got a motorcycle called the Magola, which has the engine in the front wheel. Really? The front wheel turns. The engine turns like a radial engine, like a radial, radial uh, airplane, and it turns in the front wheel. And they go, well, who would think of that? I mean, why isn't the engine in the middle? Well, it just wasn't. This is what he came up with. You know, now everybody shares ideas, and now everybody looks at a motorcycle and goes, well, the engine should be here, and the drive should be here. And the drive. Uh, You know, they were front-wheel drive motorcycle. I mean, there was all kinds of oddball stuff out there. My Magola is a front-wheel drive motorcycle, actually. So Hans Ludwinka, his, his thinking is just so different than uh, what the Americans were doing. You know, the Americans needed big, strong reliable cars because we had such great distances to travel. Smaller countries like Europe, they developed smaller engines, higher revving cars. They're a little more sophisticated. You know, and in Europe, cars were the placing of the wealthy. The average person would never be able to afford a car at 19 in Edwardian uh, England or, or Europe. Whereas in America, you know, we are a bit more uh, egalitarian, so Henry Ford built cars for the average person. But, um, so consequently, European cars cost more and are more sophisticated, whereas American cars were kind of big and, you know, straight on reliable. The uh, You mentioned Dr. Porsche earlier. Um, he had a very, very interesting past. I mean, you know, he worked for Mercedes for a while. He was involved with Maybach. He was involved with right. the Audi Union for a while. He was obviously Porsche. Um, do you? How many Porsches do you own? And do you own any, like, vintage 356s or the uh, early cars? I've got a 63, a 356 twin cam. Oh, do you? Um, yeah, that's a great car. I love that car. You know, the build quality is just unbelievable. And uh, I look out in my parking lot there, and I got my Carrera GT. Oh, okay. The uh, the twin cam obviously is a, is a Carrera, as uh, right. the, the little roller bearing or needle bearing jobby. Um, right. What uh, what's a, that that car is that it's a is it a sixty three you said is it a disc brake car or is it still a drum brake car? No, mine's a disc brake car. It's the one year of that rather odd disc brake they had. Uh, okay. And plus, it is not a needle bearing car. It's a, by sixty by sixty three they had by sixty two actually they had a two liter plain bearing okay. crank. The roller bearings are just a little too finicky okay. to uh, to deal with on a regular basis in a road car. So they went to a a plain bearing crank. Okay. That's actually the most desirable of all the Carreras. The, the I think you, it is. Yeah. Uh, I think it is. Um, I really enjoy it, and it's it's amazing. You know, driving a slow car fast is, in a lot of ways, more fun than driving a fast car fast, because this car, you get a chance to... I mean, it's quick. It's, it's only 150 horsepower, but it's light. 
but you get to hold it in each gear a long time and just enjoy listening to it wind. Uh-huh. You know, you get in the Carrera GT, GT and it goes, and, okay, now you're doing 160 <laughs> and the cops are on your tail, you know. Gotcha. Uh, Aston Martins. Do you have any Aston Martins in your collection? Don't have any Aston Martins. Really? Uh, I've always been a fan of the DB5, mm-hmm. but those have gotten so crazy lately. You know, I bought a car. I bought a 63 Maserati GT350. Okay. For all intents and purposes, I paid, it had been in lockup. It had been in a garage for 30 years. I paid $25,000 for the car. Um, it's a six-cylinder uh you know, it's got everything an Aston Martin has. Same gearbox, same rear end, same everything. It's $25,000. The same Aston Martin in far worse condition, not running, minimum 250 Yep. 300 You know, so at some point you say to yourself, okay, these are this. Why is one worse more than the other? Well, you're paying for the James Bond connection and you know, all that kind of school, cool stuff. But uh, personally, I think the Aston's a little faster, and uh, that's what we're restoring right now. I did. Uh, I do appraisals, and I actually appraised a '60 DB4, and then that car, the body was—it's all aluminum. Was built by Carrozzeria Turin or Turin, right, I think. Right, right. Okay, and I was doing a Maserati '61 or '62, and I think it was a 3500. Anyway, and that body was also built by the same uh, Carrozzeria Turin, and uh, it's amazing when you look at the quality. I mean, even though there's subtle differences. Right, uh, right. And but yeah, I, I I mean when you talk about dollar and value, the uh, Maserati is certainly uh, a better buy for the. Uh, oh, I agree. Yeah, I agree. And oh, equally gotta, is good a car. Oh, they're waving at me here. I gotta go to the meeting. I'm sorry. Hey, Stop. thanks. We'll talk again. It's hey, fun talking cars. Let's hey, do it again. You would come on again sometime. Sure. I want to thank my guest uh, Jay. I guess he had to run off because he's got to go uh, prepare for his live show this evening. Meanwhile, everybody else, stay safe, drive carefully, love your family. Tune in next week. We're gonna have John Force on the radio show. Be sure to check out our website, Golf Street Motorsports. Tell your friends about it. We'll see you next week.